Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Yes, we're into episode 11. Um, and I'll be honest with you, folks, I got caught in one of those YouTube kind of um, rabbit holes and um, thinking, oh, I've got half an hour to go. I can prepare. There's no worries. And then suddenly it's 90 seconds to go. I'm late. So um, here we are. We're on. And uh, yeah, I haven't got all my um, slides all up and ready. But hey, that doesn't matter. The show will go on. Um, so how are you doing, Bo? Thank you for joining us. Um, very well, thank you. Very warm and uh, good evening to everyone. Uh, it's always lovely to be on the show. Uh, Stephen, nice to see you on air as well, mate. And uh, yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's been an interesting week uh, for myself and Manuka Rovers. We were <laughs> the end of another hiding <laughs> from uh, Dwayne's team. And um, I'm, actually, I'm actually a little bit glad that Dwayne's not here because... I would have had to dig a bit of a hole and hide it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so Dwayne, uh, unfortunately, is probably will not be with us this week um, because he has got some some charity work that he's doing. So um, uh, all the best with that, Dwayne. Hope you raise lots and lots of cash. Much I don't know what charity it is, but I'm sure it's a very worthy one. Um, and uh, Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Oh, yeah, unfortunately, boy, it looks like I might have dished you out a bit of charity on the weekend. Looking at that scoreline, mate, sorry about that, brother. But, um, uh, hey, listen, Paul, privilege and a pleasure to uh, to uh, once again be on the be on the show. But, uh, obviously, we'll discuss a little bit more of uh, Auckland Club Rugby a little bit later. Give I'll give Boa a, a, a chance to basically uh, get some uh, air into the nostrils and breathe again. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, Dwayne... Uh, Man of the match performance. He was playing at number twelve. Uh, you know, real team man. And uh, sorry, you know, twelve to fifteen. Yeah, he was, he was playing, playing inside. Yeah, he was playing uh, second five. Uh, second, he came out second half. Absolutely blitzed us. Uh, you know, and I have to say, my team. Well, they were in it uh, at halftime, but uh, about twelve fifteen minutes after the second half resumption, um, the floodgates opened. Uh, and this just just goes to show you can't even drop your head for a couple of minutes against a quality side like Pakaranga, coached by a very, very experienced coach, uh, John Clough. And, uh, yeah, 
That was another cricket score, unfortunately. 59 for three after 80 minutes of uh, uh, cricket <laughs> at uh, Pakaranga, Bell Park. So, um, wow. So, Dwayne, who is the, uh, the, the, well, the, the number nine for Samoa, turning out at, at 12. So, doing a bit of a TJ Piranara there then, uh, who, uh, who, who kind of is, is uh, moving out from nine. Obviously, TJ playing at 10. Uh, for the Hurricanes quite a few times this this season. Didn't do so at the weekend, though, which is a bit of a, an interesting one. I just sort of realised that. But anyway, or I don't remember him doing so. Um, but there you go. So um, uh, Simon in the live chat has said, does anyone else, has anyone read about um, Australia's Super 8's idea for Super Rugby? No, I haven't, but I will try and read up on that as during the show and we can <laughs> um, put that out there. But a topic we have been wanting to talk about for a while, um, uh, but before I actually get on to that, sorry. Look, um, the Driving Wall Show comes to you at 8 a.m. every, sorry, 8 p.m. God, I'm in all over the place, sorry. 8 p.m. every single Monday. So do join us um, if you're listening to the recording. You can join us at 8 p.m. Um, and in the live chat. Our preferred place for you, in all honesty, is... Um, on our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio, um, but we do have a very active discussion also on our YouTube channel um, as well, which has just been rebranded as uh, New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, but a topic that I know that Bo has been wanting to talk to us about uh, is his idea of how to restructure New Zealand domestic rugby. Um, now, I'm, I'm sort of dropping this on you, sir, at uh, a bit of a last moment, but do you want to uh, know it's an idea that you've had um, going around in your mind for a while now? So do you want to give us a quick um, description of how you think we, should, we could possibly restructure the whole Super Rugby and club scene uh, and what, uh, and she start off first off, what's your driver? Is it to get more people playing? Is it to get a greater people watching? Which, which, which angle are you coming at it from? And then describe what actually the change is. Well, look, the key driver is more community engagement. Uh, that in itself is the uh, nucleus because you know, post-COVID-19, this is the best time to press the reset button, get more community engagement, get more players and coaches and volunteers, administrators involved in the grassroots game and create a pathway to that next level. So my proposal is to scrap Super Rugby altogether, uh, create what you would call a hybrid NPC or Might Attend competition, run it concurrently with all the club competitions right around the country um, and create a pathway for club players to get regular game time, depending on their form, uh, with their relevant provinces. Um, and of course, you know, we're seeing a lot of players who've come back, returning players, because there's not much professional rugby happening outside of New Zealand, um, playing uh, grassroots, you know, community club rugby. So I think uh, that's probably the way to go. And we're, 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 what we're trying to do is professionalize the amateur game and look at getting more community engagement, getting more people through the turnstiles um, and basically commingling the two competitions and giving uh, more opportunity for club, club players, coaches and administrators to be involved um, in the uh, the high level, at, at, be involved at a high level on a more regular basis. That's the driver. 
Um, so basically, uh, you're winding back the clock and having club rugby and then the MPC or Mighty Cup as being the, uh, the the top level instead then, effectively? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, it's it's probably a good model for even Australia to look at rather than, um, you know, try and, uh, you know, stay abreast with a competition which has clearly outgrown them, especially at super rugby level. Um, and also what this will do is when... If we go wind back the clock, we're going to have more rep level players, more professional, um, and also hopefully see some All Blacks playing club rugby uh, and be more accessible to the community sport. And hopefully that will bring more people back into watching uh, local club rugby and basically bringing more revenue uh, to a much to to much needed clubs right around the country. Yeah, look. Um, I, I'll be honest. I think that um, a couple of reasons why uh, why this won't happen. One, one is um, financial, and the other one is is high performance. Um, if we take the high performance side first, um, Ben Darwin tweeted relatively recently that um, that uh, that the more te- the more teams you have in that that level below international, um, that uh, the lower your performance is. Compared to sort of number of so, for example, um, England or um, Steve, uh, England or um, and France, for example, have got a large number of players, um, some of the highest numbers of players uh, player pool, and therefore you'd think England with a big player pool should perform should be one of the top um, countries uh, all the time. But um, Ben Darwin says if you have well, they've got twelve teams in their Premiership. He says that the if the the more teams you have um, shows that actually the bigger player pool. Um, doesn't perform so well. So a bit like if you look at um, uh, where, where the top teams you think about it are have been South Africa, Australia, New Zealand for effectively the past during well during all of professionalism, apart from when England won at World Cup once, and they've only ever had uh, well basically four or five teams at the top of their at the top of their um, the, of their pyramid. Uh, and yet, just from that connectivity point of view, uh, the, the amount of time players have getting used to each other for the national team. If you spread them out too far, you end up actually underperforming at international level. So I think from, from a high performance point of view, uh, and we all know that in New Zealand, the All Blacks uh, basically pay for everything. And hence, New Zealand rugby would never uh, countenance anything that um, impacts the All Blacks' performances. Um, and actually, I'll get on to that in a second. Um, uh, second, point. second point is also is just is finances. There, you can, there's, there's only so much you can only fund so many inter, um, professional teams uh, and club rugby has just got too many teams um, to be able to fund it fund every single team professionally and Stephen and I we've been getting around Auckland Club Rugby um, and we're struggling to cover all those games um, the uh, and give them exposure um, and that's without even taking in Northland or North Harbour and that's only and that only covers the blues area. If you take that to the whole country, um, club rugby across all the minor ten cups. What we've got to minor ten cup, fourteen um, provinces uh, between ten and sixteen uh, top top level level. Um, so you're looking talking about 140 to what about 180, 200 um, club sides um, produce playing uh, at the top level um, across the country. Well, that's just way too many. From a financial point of view, to be able to to support, um, I think, with, for full time professional players. Yeah, Paul, and I think that's where the North versus South game 
comes in because if you look at the um, if you look at Australian uh, rugby league, the NRL has uh, you know created a very successful model in having their elite NRL competition, and then uh, the state of origin. So I think that's where the north south game really plays a pivotal role, and maybe it gets drawn out to a three game or possibly five games, and that is your nucleus or your core selection pool for the All Blacks. Yeah, I guess the, the thing about the NRL or league is essentially it's not an international game, is it? Uh, they every what three or four years they put in a World Cup, but apart from that, it's not really the, the money there. The funding there is at the NRL level; it's not at the international level. Uh, as you say, and, and also the state of origin. Um, good point about this North-South game. Now, um, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, yes, it's a throwback. Um, it's something that we want to see. The only reason we have a North-South game is because uh, Ian Foster wanted a high-level game to prepare the All Blacks for the international season. Um, and it's been put in uh, in a way that so, um, that means the, the choice basically was, do you want Super Rugby Finals, um, Ian, or do you want a North-South game to prepare your players? And he said, I want a North-South game. And hence, there isn't now time in the win, uh, in the gap between Super Rugby, Aotearoa, uh, and Mighty 10 Cup to fit in finals. Hence, that's why we don't have finals, which everyone is now crying out for. Um, because they said, look, we don't want to squash the provincial or the Mighty 10 Cup um, season. And again, you can prop up five Super Rugby franchises with cash. Propping up 14 provinces is a lot more expensive. So you want to give those provinces as much of an opportunity to get, to gain the normal income they would do. And they're all they're all down on income. They're all had, had to, apart from about two, I think, have had to make redundancies. Um, but um, but that that was basically we can't fund 14 provinces, so we have to give them my 10 cup in its entirety. Super Rugby we can prop up. Um, we only have a very small window. What do we do? We either do a, a, a kind of... I mean, North-South is essentially becoming a probables versus probables um, one. Uh, and he's, and Aaron says in the live chat, it's not a true North-South teams anyway. Stephen, do you want to... Um, any... any uh, uh, we, we've, kind of, I've, we've kind of not included you so far. Any things you'd like to chip in with? No, listen, I've been just sitting back listening to the quoted or, or the or the chat, so to speak. Um, first thing I've got to say, Boa, I absolutely love your backdrop. Straight up rugby. Man, it's 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 given it's given me an idea. Um I know Paul and I have been talking about um having a, our own sort of backdrop in terms of driving more of the show, but I've got to say yours is absolutely Thank you. superb, brother. Um with regards to your idea. With regards to your ideas you mentioned at the start, I want to put a bit of a, a positive spin. Something I don't think we do well in, in community rugby. What I've actually learned by covering Auckland Club Rugby, a lot of a lot of uh, other clubs are, are on the social network, and I don't think they're as proactive as they could be on the social network because if you want to engage, you've got to engage somewhere, and the easiest thing you can do is through your through your social network, and I think it's a uh, sometimes a missed opportunity from a lot of clubs. We've seen, uh, I know my own Union Northland being so proactive with their social network in, in 2020, and they're starting to get a, a lot of traction and a lot of engagement. And I think it, it's sort of proven in the last few weeks since we've been covering Auckland Club Rugby, with that extra engagement, 
you get interest. It, it's as simple as that. And when people know what's happening and what you've got on your own doorstep, I, I think there are possibilities with regards to the uh, community game board. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because now I've got to make a point uh, based on what Paul mentioned before. I mean, it's not feasible to fund and finance uh, uh, you know, X number of clubs or X number of provinces. And that's absolutely correct. So what you will see going forward over the next three to four years in pretty much every province, you will see a lot of clubs uh, merge some of these clubs because they are financially not sustainable, they're not viable. Um, and it'll be the same with your provinces. You will see some provinces merge and uh, amalgamate. So it's, it's a case of figuring out what the most uh, financially practical and most feasible provinces and clubs are, and then you wrap this model around it. And once you get the community engagement, um, I think it's something which really needs to be tested out. Um, and I, I have to say, guys, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of seeing provincial rugby played at your smaller stadiums, at your smaller uh, venues, because you get more, more people coming through the, the turnstiles and they can actually relate to what's going on. And because this hasn't been tried and tested, um, and given that we're seeing a lot more players returning, for example, you know, a uh, number of Japanese players now have got clearance, are playing in the counties Manukau as well as Auckland, uh, Northland and North Harbour uh, and also in some of the other provincial club championships. Uh, you are starting to see more communities, uh, you know, more crowd uh, come for these community games. So I think it's something which is absolutely worth pursuing. And I think the respective unions, as you rightly pointed out, especially with the social networking, needs to put a bit of focus on that, showcase these players um, and see if they can really increase engagement, and especially seeing um, parents of younger children bring them to these clubs. And we might all of a sudden see a spike in player numbers coming through these clubs. Um, now, folks, um, both touched on a, a, a couple of things there. Um, one of which uh, is, is is amalgamations, and another one of which is, as you say, um, promoting of the club games. Um, all I can say at this point is keep an eye out on New Zealand Sports Radio Facebook page for potential news about that over the next two weeks, um, <laughs> because we are uh, because something may or may not be happening um, in uh, not not full time um, merging, um, but definitely collaboration uh, might be. It's definitely I think the the, the way forward. Um, one thing I, I do want to um, show up is the uh, is the, the attendance figures that we've had across um, Super Super Rugby Aotearoa for the uh, nine rounds so far. Um, now, my initial um, thoughts were that um, what had happened was we had a spike of, uh, of, of of good crowds at the beginning due to basically people being locked up for three months and having no rugby. Um, and then being someone who is in Hamilton, I saw the Chiefs numbers um, drop off over their three home games um, and thought that basically, look, this is something that's, that's going to drop away because, look, because I don't see the, the club, the, the Super Rugby sides, apart from the fact that they're playing derbies only, doing anything different than they were doing pre-COVID, um, where we saw a drop off in attendance. 
However, looking at the numbers over the past couple of weeks, um, you can see that the Hurricanes actually had their best crowd at the weekend against the uh, the Chiefs. So against the team that was bottom of the tables, not even not even potentially a good game as it were. Um, the Crusaders um, kept up, uh, had their second biggest um, turnout last week. We saw the Highlanders again have their biggest one two weeks ago, uh, and uh, the Chiefs back up. Okay, not up to the 23k they had in their opening game, but look, they've lost every single game. And we know losing teams tend to get smaller crowds. So um, I had to reassess my view and say that actually the competition has managed to maintain uh, its crowd numbers, which are an interest, which I think has been very good. Admittedly, it's only a short season. Um, the, uh, and um, whether this will be continued across multiple years, who knows? But I think that actually that it has worked uh, this year. Now, what, how much of that is down to we've been locked up for three months and then get uh, or, or two months, however long it was, um, and then get to get out? Uh, and how much of it is that people actually like the new format and the new format is what they want? Um, I'm not sure. But uh, I don't think it's good that, um, uh, that, 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 that it has maintained its, uh, its numbers. Stephen, Boa, any th thoughts on... On the Super Rugby, sort of, um, what's what I'm looking for? Super Rugby uh, attendance. Do you think this is a, a sustainable thing, or do you think it's just purely a, 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 a this season? Uh, and the, the Super Rugby franchise needs to do more work around community engagement to keep those numbers up. What? Well, I, I I think it's uh it's a bit of both, really. I mean, if you have a really intense competition, I mean, you can't sustain the intensity for too long because you know, it's, mm. it's eventually going to take a physical toll yeah and also um, you know customer perception customer engagement um you know you have to innovate so because this is a bit of innovation and by that i mean the quality of rugby has been next level and i think we've finally figured out how to actually make super rugby super it's to get rid of the not so super rugby teams and we, we have we have a, 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 a neon perfect product so i think this is sustainable but um year on year i think uh new zealand rugby and uh all the individual franchises that are going to have to look at innovation. They're going to really have to look at community engagement. Um, I mean, I, I saw the Blues uh, with the uh, community program where they uh, have the recycling of uh, boots for children, um, you know, things like that, where they actually go out to the community, get involved. And if they keep continually getting the communal support, yeah, sure, this is absolutely sustainable. Uh, but at the same time, the game, because it's starting to really speed up, we're seeing a lot of action, we might need to bring some innovations from a regulation point of view as well, where uh, we try and see, you know, how can we make the game more exciting? How can we make it more uh, spectator friendly? How can we simplify it more? And we need to get new customers into the sport. We need to get new people who haven't been involved in the game bringing their kids, bringing their families, bringing those communities into the game and getting new um, eyeballs on, on, on the screens and, and through the turnstile, uh, turnstiles. If the franchises can do that, yeah, I think it's all on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> I think you mentioned, well, one thing you mentioned there, one thing also Nocturnal Rights comes in with um, is you mentioned there that, yeah, the intensity and that this cannot 
yeah, you can't keep it going for much more than 10 weeks before you end up killing all the players. Um, a nocturnal rights point in there, um, Stephen, around the All Blacks interference and pulling players from competition, making it clear that it's not actually the most important thing. Um, he may have a point there, but I'd, I'd like to take the uh, the Boa Athu route that um, social network has played a really big part as well. I've been watching all uh, five franchises with, with, their, with their Facebook site, the stuff that they've been doing away from the paddock. There's a lot of promotion going on behind the scene, and I'm really impressed. Boa mentioned the... Uh, thing that the uh, Blues players are doing with the uh, all the boots that have been handed in. So there's a lot of promotions going on in, in the background by all five franchises. And uh, they've actually been there to be complimented on that work that they've done thus far. And, of course, if you get a product that's rolling, and I think the good, the good thing I think people are enjoying, I think it's just a fact the Blues have been sort of down so long. They've had a really, really solid season. And then all of a sudden, I think you've been getting these really big crowds along to Eden Park, and I think the rest of the country has looked at it. Wow, they've finally produced a decent side. They're worth going to have a look at it. And if you look at the crowds that um, have basically turned up to watch the Blues and away games, we've seen some pretty good crowds uh, rock up. I know they had a full house down in, in, in Dunedin and in Christchurch, maybe not those same full crowds uh, for the other two away games against the Chiefs and and the Hurricanes, but I think when you've got a team that's playing a good brand or attractive brand of rugby, and not not to mention, you know, the, the home fans want to go along and see them get knocked over as well. So you, you throw all those factors in the, in the mix, and, and that's what you've got. And, of course, Paul, it got off to the perfect start. You mentioned before COVID has played its part. People were just hanging out to see sport, and I think they've all been pleasantly surprised. It's one of those things. It's a, like turning up to a restaurant for the first time. If you enjoy that experience the first time, you're going to rock back to that restaurant again. Or for a second occasion. Yep, very true. Um, I want to going to go back to uh, one of Nocturnal Rights comments um, that he put in um, a while back. New Zealand rugby has tied itself too much to a business model that let Sky run the game for them with all black tests given absolute precedence over the important domestic structure that makes the ABEX or ABs any good. Um, now, I think that um, New Zealand rugby has has found has has found Sky to be very useful as a uh, as an entity to blame for various things. Now, one of those is the cost of watching the game. Well, you know what? The reason Sky has to charge so much is because of how much money they have to give New Zealand rugby, right? Um, the reason New Zealand rugby are doing this is because the All Blacks bring in all the money. And so it's a bit of a circular thing there. Um, and the reason that the All Blacks bring in the more money means that you have to put you have to play them at the times that will get the biggest audiences. So um, I don't think uh, we should um, exonerate um, uh, the New Zealand rugby this and point all the blame at Sky. I think it's a joint thing between the two of them. I need to be a bit symbiotic um, from that point of view. Um, but you, but uh, yes, the All Blacks have definitely been the pinnacle. And I mean, the, that's what New Zealand rugby were quite honest about this, weren't they? Back um, after one of the Rugby World Cups, was it? I can't remember which one it was now. But the, but they just said. We have to structure ourselves to make the All Blacks win Rugby World Cups, essentially. Um, and that's what has happened and what, what has continued. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's all good. That's all good and well. But if the if I mean, the All Blacks don't win the World Cup, that's when all these questions start popping up, which was the case uh, in 2019, RWC. Because, you know, um, NZR put all their eggs in one basket with the whole 
you know, leveraging of all the All Blacks. And, you know, there's there's always a silver lining and maybe they're just having a harder look at their business model. And we might see more All Blacks being accessible to the community sport, to NPC. Um, and who knows, uh, you know, it, it, it they might turn back the clock. And as I um, suggested before, getting more communal engagement, because one of the issues for the longevity of the game is that we are seeing a decrease in um, participation of children. Now, there are, very, there are various reasons, because other sports codes seem to be eating into it. Uh, and of course, the whole uh, thing about contact, more Polynesian children um, being you know, involved in the sport, um, and this, this what we call soccer mummy syndrome, uh, where kids getting hurt. So there's there's, there's a whole raft of uh, um, you know reasons, and I think there's there's a much bigger picture here. So I think one of the key ingredients to address this is to look at winding the clock back and getting uh, elite athletes involved more at the community level, so that you have a wider engagement. And I think that will far outweigh, um, you know, any decrease or sacrifice in high performance in any revenues, because right across the board, there will be more opportunities which will present itself, which I think NZR have to work with the other unions. Um, and, and, and the more micro units working on that same business model, it's, it's only going to make the revenue grade, i.e. merchandise and things like that, because it's a, it's a lot easier to uh, get revenue if you have a product which is easily accessible and which is easily sold through the grassroots, i.e. merchandise, um, as opposed to trying to hedge your bets on exclusively the high performance angle. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I think that New Zealand Rugby definitely needs to make the tears beneath um, the All Blacks, i.e. Super Rugby and the Provincial Rugby and Club Rugby, all more self-funding because at the moment, eggs and, uh, yeah, if you have all your eggs in one basket, all you need to do is, is to drop that basket and you're in problem, you have trouble. trouble. Um, but uh, currently, thankfully, that's not been the case. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, Paul, I was just going to reply to Nocturnal Rights. He he says, funnily enough, he actually he, he rather he enjoys watching Otago and the and the Highlanders more. I actually really like I really like that comment because it actually says to me he's not just an All Black fan, but he's a rugby fan. I think what we created over the last several years is All Black fans, just All Black fans simply. Now I've I've always had this saying with uh, top-level rugby, whether it's the All Blacks or Super Rugby, I never really concern myself about that level of rugby. What I do concern myself about is club rugby and then because that rolls into Mitre 10 rugby because those are the guys who eventually go on to play at those levels. Now, I liken the New Zealand Rugby Union to a guardian. If you've got 10 children, you don't, you don't make sure you look after half of them and not worry about the other half. You make sure... All, all 10 of them are catered for no matter what their demands or what their levels are. And I think pretty much that's what the, the the mistake that the rugby union has made. And I hope if they learn anything out of Super Rugby Aotearoa, it is about your supporters and your stakeholders. But don't 
don't forget about the guys down at grass level. See, that's where we come in handy, Paul, here at New Zealand Sport Radio. We we total even the ones down at grassroots level as as well because at, there are some very good players running around in club level. You know what? They often talk about that step up from club level to minor 10 level. I'll tell you what, you. I don't know if it's – and I don't know whether Boa agrees with me. I don't know if it's big as everybody actually says it is because if you put some work into a player who's showing potential at, at, at club level, it doesn't take much. to. If he's got skill, it doesn't take him much to go to that extra level to see how far he can go. What, what do you reckon, Boa? You know what? I, I'll, I'll tell you something really interesting, guys. So um, last Wednesday, the minor 10 uh, contender scored. So uh, the, the three coaches, Alama, uh, Philo, and Ice, uh, Craig McGrath, they had a training session for all the, the, the wider squad. So this consisted of all the Auckland club players. Um, unfortunately, uh, my team didn't have a, a single representative because we just don't have that caliber of players. Uh, and it was at Williams Park number two. So I went along and there's a there's a good, decent, because uh, you know, I, I, I um, put out a message to the lads saying, look, uh, the contenders are trading. Why don't you just come on and check it out? And there's, there's, a, there's a good crowd on hand. And um, you're right, Stephen, you know, because at the moment, we're seeing some really good quality players playing club footy, especially in Auckland. And what I saw... There wasn't a great de- there wasn't a great degree of difference. Um, yeah, there was there was a bit more probably venom in the hits, and you know there's a bit of feeling out there more so to push an individual case for selection. Uh, but you're right there there isn't a great degree of difference, uh, especially with the you know the top clubs. Uh, so for example, if you if you look at Auckland now, um, I've been going on for the last couple of weeks that Varsity are the team to beat, and true enough, they go and. Um, dealt to uh, a, a very strong co- college rifles team, and they are, um, you know, showcasing some great players. And um, that form will continue on to uh, NPC or Mitre Ten. And I think uh, with the other provinces, and I can see um, Simon on the forum says enjoying watching Bay of Plenty. It's the same scenario. I mean, you go down to counties, Manuka. We have some. You know, top quality players who come back from Japan. For example, Baden Kerr, who was playing the Honda Heat. He's pretty much running the show at Karaka. Now, we had a, a, a preseason game against Karaka and it was a very close call. But right now, it's going to be anything but close because you have these high quality rep professional players uh, playing grassroots club rugby. Now, this is the comment that, uh, that, that I want to j- um, jump on by Nocturnal Rights here. He goes, to add my local sport comment, it involves a legacy of passion following Otago with my father. Absolutely. Um, the To me, that's what we what's, what uh, the provinces and also Super Rugby need to do is to get going to the game as an, or, or, or switching the TV on and watching the game as being family time. And then if you get it as family time, then it becomes the culture. Um, it, it becomes ingrained in the culture of the family, and you do it with your when you grow up, you do it with your kids. Now, is is that a way of filling the stands tomorrow? No, it's not. It's a way of slowly increasing the the the, the attendance over the next twenty years, um, and meaning that in ten or fifteen or whatever it'll have many years, meaning in fifteen to twenty years' time, it's packed every single game 
whether you're winning or losing, whether it's an important game or not important game. And it's about building that culture. Um, and that's where I think they need to uh, they, they, they need to go. Um, Batman, I'm making some comments about who could win the Mighty 10 Cup this year. We're, um, we're a number of weeks away from that. We will be doing a preview show about the Mighty 10 Cup. Um, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole this evening. Now, we do need to get on to club rugby uh, and to get on to some results because we've been uh, um, had a, a, a great chat about the structure of rugby uh, so far, but um, club rugby next. Um, Stephen, do you want to uh, take us away? Yeah, well, it's sort of uh, starting to get to the pointy end of uh, many of the club competitions, especially up in uh, in Northland, Paul, because uh, on the on the weekend uh, we had uh, round eight just completed, so that means there's just one more round to go. Remembering the top two will go through to the final, and now the final this year is not going to be played at Toll Stadium. It's actually going to be played at the home of the highest qualifying team. So if I quickly go through the results from the weekend, Kitty Kitty 35 over Ngati Hene Moirawa UK 5. Now they were the promoted team at the beginning of the year and they were getting some almighty hidings at the top of the year. But as you've seen, they've just slowly improved as the season have grinded along. And the good thing about it, there's no relegation this year. So there's an opportunity for them to go away over the summertime and basically reload and come back again next year. Uh, next result, Old Boys Marist at home. Too strong for horror horror. Then that's horror horror who started out of the blocks uh, like a pretty much a bat out of you know what, winning their first five in a row. But they've lost uh, three on the bounce, and they are in jeopardy of missing out on the uh, on the uh, final the uh, following weekend, which I'm heading up to now. Waipu 19, Kamo 12, and that pretty much qualifies. Waipu for the final, but it doesn't qualify them for the actual home. They have to win again next weekend against Horror 19-12. Western Sharks with their best performance of the season, 49 points to 20 over Wellsford. And Mid-Northern, the other team that's gunning for a uh, place in the final, 42-10. And uh, as we look at the table, it's Waipu up top. Waipu have Horror. Uh, this weekend, they go away to play Horror Horror, but the way that Horror Horror is going at the minute, Waipu might be too strong. There's a few Northland players running around for Horror Horror. The likes of Dan Hawkins, who's unfortunately been injured the last few weeks. Jacob Machu, who's been in the Northland squad. Carter Pryor, guys like that, of that ilk. Justin Davies in the front row, all with um, ITM Cup experience. He actually played in the ITM Cup days. But uh, they've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. But Northern go to uh, Ngati Hine. Murawa UK, but I think they'll be too strong and I, I'm, I, and Waipu to beat Horahora. So those are the two teams I'm picking to meet in the final up in Waipu. I'm preempting it. I'll probably just curse both those two teams. Um, that's happening on the 22nd of uh, August, that final, and I'm picking it's going to be in uh, Waipu, Paul. So should be interesting. We'll come south a little bit to uh, North Harbour, starting to get interesting in uh, North Harbour with one round to go. North Shore 29, East Coast Bay 6, Silverdale 38, North Harbour Marist 12. Now, the upset of the uh, weekend, Northcote 18, Takapuna 5. Up until now, Takapuna were unbeaten, and uh, Kumu, a team on the rise, 69 uh, points to nil. Now, the good thing about the North Harbour competition is we look at the uh, final round for round nine. There's a couple of uh, big games or interesting games coming up uh, this weekend, and that Silverdale-Kumu game is going to be a very big game as we look at the table. Remembering the top four teams will host 
basically quarterfinals. So it's important that you finish either one, two, three, or four. Takapuna Northcote uh, have pretty much qualified. And uh, really, your other two teams are going to come from a next crop of four teams, North Shore, Silverdale, Kumu, and I think East Coast Bays actually might be just out of it. They'd, they'd need a whole lot of things uh, go their way. Quite frankly, it'd be like winning the $43 million lotto this weekend for them to, them to come through, guys. And of course, we move on uh, to uh, Counties uh, uh, Monaco, and it was their final round on the weekend. Ardmore Marist looking the team to beat. 43-10 over Patamahoy. Oni Ferro, far too good for Papakura. 78-12, condemning the boys from Papakura to a winless season. Karaka, 17 Manurewa 10. Now that was also had an interesting implications that particular result because we're talking a top four and uh, Bombay went down to uh, Pukakohe 51-30 but they have qualified uh, for the semi-finals finishing in fourth placing on the table so uh, Counties Monaco or Tribe haven't updated the app as yet but I'm picking it's going to be Ardmore Marister versus uh, Bombay in one semi-final and Karaka versus Manurewa in the other final. So the two hosts will be Ardmore and Karaka in those uh, counties Monaco finals. And that's for the McNamara Cup. Just look, yeah, just looking at the table, it looks like um, the Bombay's have finished above Manuera in third. So I assume Ardmore will play Manuera and Karaka, Karaka will play Bombay. Uh, looking at uh, looking at the uh, counties website. Wow, that's, that's weird. That, that actually differs to tribe. But anyway... Not, not before, to worry there. Just quickly before you move on to the Auckland scene, a quick update from um, the Waikato club scene. Uh, and the last round of games, funnily enough, included the same two games that will be played as part of the semi-finals. Um, so uh, down in Cambridge, it was um, Hautapu versus Melville. Um, the first half was uh, tight. It was 15-3 at halftime, but Hautapu um, came out and showed why they are the uh, most fancied team and top team in the table by winning this one 37-18, really dominating that second half. The other um, game was um, fate, uh, was um, Fraser Tech versus um, Otrahonga down in Otrahonga. Um, and whilst Fraser Tech ran out to, uh, got, got two early tries to lead by 14 points, um, Otrahonga came back to win that one 36-31. Um, other results there uh, saw Hamilton Old Boys beat University 36-0. Um, Marist beat um, Tiamutu uh, um, 47-13 and Moran's Law were on the, uh, on the bye. So the final, sorry, the semi-finals will be replays of those games this weekend. So Hao Tapu um, looking at uh, uh, beating Melville yet again um, and uh, Otrahonga hosting Fraser Tech. Um, the uh, um, and have I mispronounced um, something in there? Probably I have. Um, Aaron, Aaron uh, mixing up between um, yes, two names I can't actually say. So we'll um, we'll, we'll we'll stay clear of that uh, and uh, move on to the Auckland um, Auckland results. Thanks for that, Paul. Just to let you know, once we get enough money in the budget, and Paul has got a paywall uh, site on the uh, driving mall you're watching at New Zealand Sport Radio, but when the money starts coming flying in, we will be sending Paul off to Te Wānanga or Aotearoa uh, Wānanga in uh, 2021 so he can uh, touch it up on his Te Reo Māori 
And uh, if we have uh, maybe even some uh, Pacific Island speakers out there, that would be uh, much appreciated as well, just to help them out. But we, but we're here to totoko and support Paul, and uh, he is the, he is the boss of the show, and that's the, he presses all the buttons at the right time. But without, I do digress. We'll head into that uh, Auckland results. Remembering the Auckland, uh, I think they've got about five rounds to go, boy. Is that? that how yep, many five more, five more rounds, yeah. and uh, yes, I'm. Some very interesting games coming up, and um, yes, you know we're starting to see a clear separation between those top eight sides and the the, the bottom sides. So, uh, yeah, some interesting times ahead. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll quickly go through these results, and I'll, I'll find a way so you can all chat about the games that you were at. Grammar Tech forty-seven to Papapa twelve. Just on on to Papapa. You know they, they had trouble. Obviously, one game with the team, but you've got to give them a little bit a little bit of credit. You know they're not. They're not getting beaten up too badly, so they're hanging in there, boy. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think it's fantastic uh, because that just means, you know, teams uh, A team, which has been taking a bit of a hiding, especially in the first few rounds. Uh, you know, they're they're starting to you know dig their heels and and try and make a um, contest out of it. And I think that's what we need to see to have a healthy competition where we don't have lopsided games where, you know, every team has an equal opportunity. Um, and I think um, Tapapa have uh, had a few returning players who played a bit of rugby overseas and um, that's probably starting to show on the scoreboard as well. Yeah, I've, I've very sad, uh, sad memories of uh, playing out into Papapa, getting sent to the Sinbin um, in a, uh, a senior reserve uh, um, match out, out there. No, very, very sad because the whole family turned up to watch and just in time to see me getting uh, sent to the Sinbin. But I digress, guys. Um, now, a big result there for Watamata over Otahu. And um, yeah, to be honest, I, I feel wow. I feel, a, I feel a lot for Otahu. I, re I really do. Uh, when I first... Moved to Auckland oh, many, many moons ago. Uh, I stayed out in the uh, the Otahuhu area, and um, they were my first side that I supported. I was at Eden Park in 1985 when they beat uh, Grandma in front of 25,000 people at Eden Park. Yeah, unbelievable. Yes, that used to happen. They used to get those sort of crowds to to uh, Premier Club finals. They beat uh, Grandma on that particular day. And uh, just to see where they are at the moment, it's 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 definitely been a, a season of learnings for Otahuhu. But, you know, I think once again, by using the social network and, you know, having a, having a bit of support for these guys, it, it won't take much. They do need, a, do need a little bit of help. And sometimes it's good to know what these clubs actually need, Boa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's been a very tough season for them. And now a very good friend, very close friend of mine, Tavita Tulang, I was a former suburbs man. Um, he's a head coach. And um, they're actually not going to put aside uh, post-COVID with the revamp season. Uh, so they actually don't have a premier development or any other senior sides. And this year, with the, all the delegates uh, agreeing that there is no, uh, there are no prerequisites to be eligible to play Gallagher Shield. I, previous years, you would have to have a minimum of four senior teams. Mm -hmm. uh, so they've only got the premier team this year. And wow, they're just taking some uh, absolute uh, hammering. So uh, looks like Waitamata are really, uh, you know, putting the foot down as well. They've been uh, working towards this. And I think the, the team from out West Auckland, they're trying to make a, a, a very strong case and make that final eight 
and probably have a crack at the semi-finals. So, uh, yeah. And, and boy, just a bit of comment about the head coach, Suatama Sema Tulagasi Tavita. He's coached over in, um, in Sri Lanka. Yeah, well, that's that's where I actually met him. I've played with him. He's coached me. I've coached with him. And then, um, you know, we when I moved over here, which is almost 21 years ago, um, you know, when, when I first got introduced to rugby, uh, my, my original club was actually uh, Roscoe Districts, which is no longer around. And from there, I moved to Grammar Carlton, which is now Grammar Tech, where your teachers Eastern and... Um, grammar merge i was involved with the um, 85 and under restricted team uh so yeah he's uh you know he's a very uh very committed very dedicated man and uh, yeah i feel for him you know and it's uh it's not gonna get easier because uh, we have to actually play them in about uh in, in in three weeks time and uh that is a game we are targeting and uh you know, a bit of, bit of personal pride on the line as well. So we're, we're planning to make sure that we put the foot on the throat and not let uh, them stand up either. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is, uh, Stephen. And um, I hope those glory days come back to Otahuhu because it's, it's very, very important that, uh, especially South Oakland clubs, they have uh, a, a good, strong season because that will help attract more players, especially the younger players. And this is a challenge I'm having at Manuka Rowers because most of our players have actually left. And uh, when we play some of the uh, top sides, it's uh, I have to say sometimes it feels like home and home <laughs> because most of our players have transitioned on to their clubs. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't really blame the players either because they, they want what's best for their careers. And they've identified that being with a winning side, being with a strong side, which has uh, you know financial as well as uh, communal backing, is the way forward. And, and, and Boa, aside, um, obviously, who's kind of sneaked under the radar and sitting second on the table at, at this point in time. Paul and I were talking about it as Paul was making his way back to, to Hamilton on the weekend. But obviously, Pakuranga rocked up too strong for you guys, 59-3. Just a little bit of just your thoughts on uh, what, what happened on Saturday afternoon. Look, it was a, it was a tight contest right up to halftime. And for straight for whatever reason, um, our boys they just dropped their heads, and there was a there's a 15 minute period where they just rocked up with six tries back to back to back, absolutely kill the competition, uh, uh, kill the contest, and um, yeah, unfortunately another uh, a bit of a cricket score, uh, three for 59 after 80 minutes at Bell Park. Um, but look, it is what it is. Um, you know, we have to uh, move on from this this week. Again, it doesn't get any easier. However, we're back at home in the swamp. Uh, we're playing Eden. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to tomorrow, right? We've got to prepare well. Uh, we've got to prepare in a slightly different manner. Um, so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if it's a, a much closer competition. And given that we are overwhelming underdogs, got nothing to lose, so all to play. And uh, we're hoping for that upset. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Pekarang is sitting in second place at the moment, but they've got a tough road to hoe because uh, coming up this weekend, they head to university to play a very good university side that is on fire at the moment. 31-19 over uh, College Rifles, and maybe they're the, t they're the team to watch. I know everybody's probably gunning for last year's premiers in, in Ponsonby, but maybe the team to uh, watch at this stage. Suburbs 57, East Tamaki 10 are too strong, and... 
probably in a game that was the game of the weekend. And Paul, you happened to be there, Eden 24, Papa Toy Toy 14. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was 17 14 going up until the um, well, until the Hooter. Well, it would, there would have been Hooter at, uh, at a Super Rugby game. Um, and um, it took a penalty try on the 80th minute for uh, to, to, to make um, to make that gap and make it a 10 point win. Now, this, this was, yeah, this was a one score game um, for, for a lot of it. Eden went out to a good lead, um, 12 0. Um, but um, Papi Toitoy came back and were leading 12 14 um, coming in to, to the. Uh, uh, well, for about, after about an hour, after about the hour markish, but um, yeah, Eden have got a very powerful scrum, <laughs> and that uh, that really proved to be the to be the difference. Um, that uh, yeah, Papi Toto had a tough time at scrum time. Uh, Eden um, out scrummaged them, uh, and that's where they got the penalty try from at the end there. And as I say, if you don't have a scrum, it's very difficult to win the game. And uh, yeah, that proved this time. Um, have a quick check of my post-match uh, interviews over on the New Zealand Sports Radio um, Facebook page where I talked to the head coach of Eden. Because he's, he, last time we talked, he was talking about, about the sevens nature of his side. But, uh, yeah, that's not what we saw this weekend. Yeah, Paul, and good to see the uh, at least two of the Costa brothers starting. Rodrigo uh, uh, Costa starting at uh, fullback. And, of course, Iggy Costa just showing how... Uh, um, how good he is, or is as a utility. He normally plays halfback. He slipped into the ten jersey, and another one of the Costa brothers off the uh, bench as well. Nicholas Costa uh, popped down as well. Did you get to see a bit of them, Paul? Yeah, so Nicholas Costa came out and yeah came back on at nine um, for them, uh, and they and they and the uh, the starting scrum half moved off over onto the wing uh, there. But um, yeah, obviously those the the three brothers back. Um, Nico coming, uh, has uh, looks like he's got some. Uh, knee issues that he's uh, that he's, he's trying to get through um, first, but yeah, those yeah, look, they're they're, they're class players. Obviously, um, they all popped down to Southland, played a bit of my ten cup down there, didn't they? Uh, and have come back um, as yeah, as, as as very good players. And um, my second week in a row over at uh, Western Springs, I'm starting to get to know every uh, blade of glass or grass on the uh, western side of uh, of Western Springs, guys. But it was the, uh, the home side, Ponsonby, 36-10 over Marist in a repeat of uh, last year's final. Listen, it was reasonably close up till, till halftime. And Marist, to be fair, were getting in behind Ponsonby. They were getting nice little offloads. They used their pack well. Their line-out was operating really well, and they were just doing some good things. But the thing with Ponsonby, you make mistakes against these guys. They really only had two opportunities, and they nailed both of those opportunities. And uh, a youngster that uh, impressed me no end was uh, Joel Cobb out of uh, Mount Albert Grammar. We would for many of you who saw the uh, Ignite Sevens or the Red Bull Ignite Sevens uh, last year, he was one of the uh, stars of the, of the tournament, extremely quick. And once again, if you check out our website, you'll see a, uh, a try that he scores. He's not the tallest man in the world, but he leapt above everybody and and uh, pulled down probably the best of his tries. His other two were just basically <clears throat> pretty much run-ins. Also, we, we, we speak about the level of rugby. You know, somebody like Jordan Trainer, who's played for the Blues before, played for the Chiefs, and, and, you know, you've got players out of there that are basically standing up against a player of, of that quality. But uh, I, I don't know what, what more you can actually say about Ponsonby. They are such a, a good side. And the scary thing about it, <clears throat> uh, all their players were wearing their respective secondary school socks on the weekend as well. And I noted there were a lot of Mount Albert Grammar 
uh, kids uh, running around. Mark Watson, if he's watching the show, he'll be super excited about about all these Mount Albert Grammar kids uh, uh, running around in the Ponsonby side. But uh, <clears throat> a couple of youngsters that really, really impressed me. Now, the uh, 2020 Blues Player of the Year, Swanee Vikina, uh, who was uh, running around at hooker. This kid is an absolute beast. He's a very, very uh, big hooker and just a dynamic ball carrier as well. And, of course, the younger brother of uh, Patrick Tuipulotu, uh, Hamden Tuipulotu, uh, playing at loosehead prop. Uh, if you think Offa Fussy is big, wow. Um, I tell you, this kid, uh, I don't know what the food bill would be like at the Tuipulotu house, household, but he's a very, very big kid. So he impressed me no end. But they've got a whole lot of... Uh, uh, youngsters in the side and very well captained by uh, Alex uh, Daybeck as well. Once again, look out for my interview with Alex. Uh, very well spoken. He uh, also played uh, Maritain Cup for uh, Auckland this year. And then you can sort of uh, throw in the likes of uh, Joel Cobb and Jordan Trainer at the back. They are going to take some sort of beating. And uh, at this early stage, as we quickly uh, look at the table, which is starting to get very, very interesting at this point of time, remembering five at rounds to go, and it is Ponsonby. And uh, they haven't got the toughest run home, to be to be fair. Uh, they do have an away game against uh, Waitemata, which is on uh, the 22nd of this month. That'll be a, a tough gig for them. Of course, we spoke about Pakuranga's run home, Eden University. Gee, I tell you what, even at this early stage, I'm probably going to never going to be let back into the Waitemata club rooms, but I think maybe Ponsonby and University maybe the teams at this stage. But don't discount Eden, the Costa brothers, starting to come back into this team as well. And I don't think you could probably write college rifles or grammar tech off, but it'll be sort of interesting to see if some super rugby players get released. Don't forget uh, Isi Tuangafasi and uh, Andrew uh, Makilo uh, are both affiliated to that club. And they played two or three weeks ago when they actually beat... Ponsonby, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But there's a lot to happen. I know Philo Tiatia and uh, and um, Alama Iramia and Craig McGrath. I th I think, boy, you might correct me on this. There could be some Auckland players pulled out in the last few rounds of the Gallagher Shield. Yeah, look, every every chance that could happen. And uh, as I said last Wednesday, they had a uh, you know pretty pretty decent. It was a uh, you know full on contact uh, hit out. At Williams Park number two and uh, you know all these players you mentioned I think they're very much in the mix now the interesting thing will be towards the latter part of the competition especially the business end uh, some of the returning super rugby players for example uh, Marist uh, you know who uh, uh, one of their key players a superstar for uh, the Blues Hoskins Tutu at number eight now obviously he's had a bit of an injury um, with his ankle. So that might be uh, a way he gets a bit of run on form and exposes himself back into the game. Um, and one thing I do have to mention, um, Stephen, is uh, as far as Ponsonby, the ponies, one of the main reasons, uh, especially they seem to be attracting some of these players, especially from Mags, some wonderful work done by the RDO, Rocky Khan. Now that has to be mentioned because this guy, wherever I go um, around Auckland rugby, I see him, he's there. Um, there's a few coaches on Wednesday night. Um, I had one of the coaches, uh, Noroa, who was a former um, coach at Paptoi, now with Grammar Tech. And we were just having a bit of a conversation behind the posts. And lo and behold, who turns up? 
the Ponson Bihar DEO Rocky Khan. So, uh, you know, this guy, he's on to it and he's, he plays a pivotal role. And in fact, uh, a few weeks ago, I met him at the club rooms and we were having a discussion over some other rugby-related matters. And he was very confident on the Phillies uh, winning the women's premiership. And he said, look, uh, Baba, it's, uh, I planned this for three years. Uh, we're very confident that we're going to win this. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, so I think with some of the bigger clubs, you're seeing this level of planning and execution happening. They seem to be able to recruit and um, you know hang on to these quality players. And it's almost like a little academy where they churn out top quality players who go on to represent their provincial sides and beyond, i.e. in Super Rugby. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see. So much kudos and all credit to Ponsonby and Rocky Khan. Mm, I'll tell you what, he's, uh, uh, he gets around. He, you speak about getting around. He was one of the coaches for the Ponsonby women's team last week, and then he was reserving for the Premier side on, on, the, wee, on the weekend. I thought he may have lost his way for the day. One player I completely forgot to, to mention in a beaten Maris side is uh, New Zealand. Uh, I think he's played New Zealand 20s, uh, uh, Tofa Funaki. Who's uh, who's the halfback? Watch this kid. He is some player and mighty tough as well. But I was really, I was quite impressed how heady he was. You know, even though uh, things weren't going right, he just basically stuck to his basics. And he's one player to watch uh, for the uh, future. Paul, have you listen? I just see Simon in the chat room has asked about the Australian Super Eights idea for Super Rugby. Have we got time to talk about that? Um. We, we, we can try very quickly, not really, um, very quickly, though, before we get on to that. Um, so this weekend, obviously, we have another round of club rugby and also is the last round of Super Rugby. We then have three weekends off with just the North-South game on the uh, 29th in the middle middle week there um, before my 10 Cup happens. So that's three rounds where potentially, as Bo has been talking about, the Super Rugby players might be looking for a game or two. Um, but then we have the, the, the final round of the regular season is on the first round of the Mitre 10 Cups. All those Super Rugby players will disappear off back to their provinces. Also, the top club talent will be will be taken away by the provinces as well. So for that final round, um, we're going to see some depleted sides, probably followed by then the semi-final and the final. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, those top clubs, their depth is going to be tested um, and there might be some discussions with the might attend a cup um, coaches around, hey, do you really need that guy on the bench or do you think you can release him this weekend for the final of the um, of the Gallagher Shield? It's going to be, that's going to be, there's going to be some interesting discussions between um, the uh, the clubs and um, the province around that one. Um, maybe uh, we'll try and uh, get an interview with Iremaya and ask him how he handles that situation. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, let's see if our new... Um, if, if, if our new relationship with, with, with Auckland rugby stretches to that, um, what do you think, Stephen? You know what? All you can do is knock on the door and give it a go. And if they say no, they, they, say, they say no. But, you know, we are, we are here with positive intentions. Guys, I have to say, last week we Manuka Rose has to be has to play Ponsonby at Western Springs. So I hope they pull all the provincial players out. It's going to be a far much more even. Uh, level playing field, and um, yeah, I think um, Auckland should absolutely say no to all the rep players in that special yeah. last round. <laughs> <laughs> so next round, I would say the clash of the round for next weekend is probably Marist versus College Rifles. 
um, at the top end of the table. Um, and if you're looking for a competitive game amongst the uh, sort of lesser loved or the lower um, the, the lower teams, then Otahu versus Tipapapa, I think, could be a, uh, a decent game as well. Two sides that some um, uh, have have been uh, have been going uh, have been having a, a tough old season, but I think yeah, two sides that some. Um, will be looking good. Unfortunately, I'm not available to get to any games this weekend. But those are the two that uh, the two most competitive games that jump out at me for next weekend's games. Um, clearly, we do not have time to talk about Super 8s this weekend, uh, th th this week. But um, I think that could be a that could be a topic for next week. Um, looking at the Super 8s, uh, basically the idea of going back to a super rugby competition with conferences that then have the top teams heading off into finals. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> if you if you if you wait long enough, the bus comes back round one more time, doesn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> well, that's that's one way to make the super rugby unsuper again. So, <laughs> sorry, I had to put that chime in. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, Boa. Thank you so much, Stephen, um, for joining me. Folks, don't forget, you can, we'll be here at 8 p.m. every single Monday um, with the uh, Driving Mall show. Um, things coming up. Um, yes, we'll have a look at Super 8s. Um, obviously, we've got the uh, Club Rugby for a few more weeks, um, previewing the Mitre 10 Cup, having a chat about that North-South game as well. Um, so lots and lots of topics. Also, the Farrah Palmer Cup kicks off in two weekends' time. Um, so, yes, um, lots and lots of rugby still to come for us to talk about. Please don't please uh, get over to our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, give it a like and a follow. Um, we're trying to uh, get ourselves up to um, 10,000 followers. We're at 1,000. We're just under one, just over 1,000 so far. So clearly a little ways to go. So please tell all your friends, family and even enemies, you know, get everyone liking um, that uh, the Facebook page. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 